0: Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life giving and life changing. Take care. Morning, everybody. How are you today? Okay. A few of you are awake, others of you are still basking in the glow of the amazing worship we just had. That was awesome. So good. So good. It feels like I've not been here forever, but my heart has been with you guys. I love this church. I love what God does here, and if you don't, if you're relatively new, hi, I'm Pastor Dwayne. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. I get to share in the teaching duties with the amazing Pastor Ricardo, who is not here today, which means I get to do whatever I want. <laughs> Except I know he's watching right now, and he'll text me and say, "Stop doing that." So I, I wisely left my phone somewhere else, so that way I don't know if he says anything. Right? <laughs> I can get away with it. Whether you're uh, here with us in person or whether you're watching online, I am so glad. You are here today. It's been a busy a busy few months since I was last year. Uh, so much going on. I know, it feels like, can you believe it's almost the end of October? Where has the year gone? I feel like the time just zipped by so quickly. And once we get to this time of the year, it's like going to be over like tomorrow. We wake up and it's January 1st and then we're like, oh gosh, I'm so old. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> but in the last few months, um, I was very excited to announce that um, I released a new book. And it's based on Christmas, which is my favorite thing to talk about, and it's called Resting Mary, Finding Joy and Peace at Christmas. And one thing I love about this book is that over the last couple of years, I did a version of this brand new one just came out based on all the stuff that we've gone through over the last couple of years, because as you know, it's hard to find joy and peace when the world seems like it's so messy, very messy. And the reason I'm telling you about the book today is because I love this church so much, and this church has been such a blessing to me and my family Um, that over the next um, week, till the end of uh, October, so through next Monday, uh, any book sales that I have uh, on the sale of the book via Amazon is going to be donated back to Journey Church. So yes, I'm so excited about it. Um, I think we have a a slide that you can put up there that shows Josh had it anywhere. He said he had it up there. Anyway, it's on amazon.com where everything is. So when you go shopping for toothpaste or painkillers, Just look for uh, Resting Mary, look for my name, Dwayne Montague, and you'll be able to find it. Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to throw a slide up there later that will show it to you. But again, what a blessing to be able to bless a church that has blessed my family in so many ways. So thank you. Uh, If you don't mind, I'd like to kick off our, our time together in prayer, and then we'll get into today's sermon. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for the way they worship. Thank you for the way that they express their love for you. Thank you for the way they connect to their community. And God, thank you for the blessing they are to me and my family every single time that I'm here. Every time I watch a service online, every time I connect with these people, God, I feel such a blessing. And that's because you are part of their lives and you're doing something amazing through them. So I ask that today, anything I say may be a blessing to them. As they have blessed me, God, I pray that you bless them. And may our time together be amazing today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I am so glad to be back to you guys today with with this sermon series we're doing called Just Saying. Uh, This phrase has actually been part of my family uh, for a long time. Since I was a child, I've heard this phrase often. My grandfather would often uh, use the phrase after he said something that was true, but might have been a bit harsher than he meant. I remember one time he mentioned something to my grandmother about a dress she had on. I think he said, that's a pretty dress, but I'm not sure if it looks, so, it looks as good on you as you think it does. When I was a kid, I didn't think much about the comet. Now, after being married for 24 years, I'm like, ooh, grandpa, yes. what did you step into? Yes, yeah, he uh, may have been honest, but ouch. My grandmother was not happy. What did you say, was her response. And she was a small, and when I say small, she was like five feet tall, but fiery West Texas former cotton farmer girl who grew up with a dirt floor. And the look in her eyes, now that I'm older, I realize he should have been dead. (laughs) She was ready to kill him. And he just kind of looked at her, shrugged his shoulders and said, I'm just saying, The series is inspired by a book of the Bible that is full of hard truths that may sting a bit when we first hear them. Uh, Like the book of Proverbs, it's full of pithy moments of wisdom on how to live. But unlike the book of Proverbs, which is general godly advice for how to make wise choices, the book of James talks specifically about how to live the Christian life in a way that shows the outward evidence of the faith that we confess. Um, James does not mince words. He's blunt He's honest, he's truthful, and after many of his statements, you could almost hear him saying, add a little shrug, and go, oh, I'm just saying, this may hurt, but, mm. because who knows how, who he just made uncomfortable. And the purpose, I think, of the book is to make us uncomfortable. Today, we can still hear what James says and go, ouch, and James just goes, hmm, Do you know, this is clearly the passage I want to focus on today. Uh, in this, James is honest, he's a bit insulting, he uses sarcasm, and yet when it's over, we see that he's given us some clear principles for how to live a life that honors God, reflects our Savior, and enables the world to see what makes Christ different and what makes us different as Christ's followers. In chapter 1, verse 19, it says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it it has the power to save your souls. I'm just saying. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, pastors today kind of struggle with this kind of blunt honesty on it, honestly, because in spite of how we may appear, we really want people to like us, right? We all want someone to like us. We don't want to walk, walk up to someone who's being insulting. We want people to kind of like us. And so the, it doesn't mean that we want to water down the Bible or the gospel or make it not say things that hurt your feelings, but it's hard to stand in front of a room of people and say, hey, stop what you're doing, jerks. Because if you hear that enough, people are like, I don't want to go back to that church. The worship is great, but the pastor is kind of a tool, right? Jesus, uh, James may not say it exactly that way, but look at what he is saying to us here. Be quick to listen. Anyone here good at that? I'm not. I'm horrible at that. Great example is when my wife Robin and I have a discussion. Discussion. As she is saying what she wants to say in response to whatever I've just said, I'm already fomenting my response before she has even finished talking, I'm ready to go with an answer. That's not being quick to listen. Being quick to listen requires one thing. It requires us to be quiet. Or as James might say it if he was writing for us today, shut up and listen. He then says this, be slow to speak. We don't live in a world where people want to be slow to speak. We don't need to. In a world where everything is connected all the time, on our phones, we I am each other. Instant message. There's no need to be slow. If someone says something to me, I can respond right away. Social media, I can hit share, like, retweet, or whatever other response right away without even taking a minute to think about my response. If someone says something I don't like, I can quickly let that stranger know why they are wrong. I don't even need to know them when I can insult them. James would look at that and say put down your phone now be slow to get angry this one in the year 2022 may be so hard because everyone is angry these days I mean you're not you guys seem very kind today no one's walked and like punched each other so good job <laughs> you, you've maintained a decorum of dignity today good job but uh, we've been living in a cycle of anger for it feels like several years. And the events of the last couple of years just have, have not helped at all, have they? We see people angry about politics, angry about prices, angry about relationships, angry about whatever made you mad before church this morning. The slow barista, the guy who took your parking space, the worship band being too loud. The pastor standing in front of you and insulting you. (laughs) You'll note that James advises us to be slow and to get angry after he suggests we talk less and listen more. There's a pattern there. Start listening. You start by listening. You stop talking, and then you stop being angry. Why is this included in the Bible, especially in a book that is dedicated to how to best live the Christian life? And model Jesus to the world that needs to know him? Well, look at verse 20 of chapter 1 of James for the answer. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, he says. Human anger, that's our anger. But look at it'll be a deeper and it's ugly. The Greek that James uses here doesn't mean getting upset because the kids ate popcorn in the living room and spilled it all over the couch. That's Mike. I've done that a couple times, right? The kids do something. Oh, why did you do that? That's, that's, we think human anger. That's what we're talking about. James, like, no, 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 no. That's surface level anger. That's way up here anger. James says, no. The word I'm using, the Greek word is equivalent to our English word of wrath. Wrath, ooh. Wrath is a strong, vengeful hatred or resentment. That's the anger we get when we don't stop, when we don't listen, when we get riled up and lash out in unhealthy ways at people, things, situations. We may not realize it in the moment, but when we let this anger take control, we stop thinking rationally. We stop making wise choices. We don't like to admit that we do this. Wrath sounds super Old Testament to me, right? Real wrath of God type stuff. It sounds like something Shakespeare would use. And then the wrath of the Lord fell upon them. These and... It, it, that's not a word we want to use. I mean, you don't hear someone on the news saying, and everyone was filled with wrath in the freeway today. Even though they probably were. But if our anger goes unchecked, if we allow it free reign when we get upset, when we get hurt, when we get, um, well, you know, in those situations where we don't like something that's going on in our world... Wrath is the response. And in our humanity, it's never a good thing. It's never for us, good for us to be filled with resentment that is so strong that we can't let go of it. God's wrath is uh, different. You hear about the wrath of God in the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament. But that's because God's wrath is directly where it should be. The Bible makes it clear that when God shows his wrath, it's directed at one thing and one thing only, sin. God directs his wrath at sin, sinful actions, unchecked and let to do whatever it feels like. He doesn't direct it at people because he hates people. He does it because he hates the sin that people do. So, God's wrath falls out on things, like in, you know, look at all these big stories of the Old Testament, people who went against the people of God, the children of Israel. When God unleashes his wrath, it's not because, well, I hate you because you're a Philistine. No, I hate the sin that you're doing, people. That's when God gets angry. That's the kind of wrath that is okay, because that's what God's about. But we, we don't live that way. Our wrath is directed at people, at situations. And unlike God, we don't control it. As a result, our actions in this state can never be or lead us to where God wants us to be. I fully get this. Because there's a lot that can upset us. There's a lot going on in the world that may make us shake our heads in wonder and sadness and disbelief. And maybe, yes, even anger. But allowing our anger to boil up, to push us beyond wise choices... That leads us directly where we're not supposed to be, where we shouldn't be going in our walk of faith, because the minute we do that, we get out of step with Christ. We're doing our own thing. Jesus, is like, hey, let's walk together. And you're like, no, I'm so mad right now. Jesus, bye. And Jesus, is like, what? You... This is the path, and you're doing your own thing over here, waving your arm and red faced, and ah, the governor, ah! inflation, ah. Jesus is like, what is that all about? I just want people to love me. I know what gas prices are so high. It hurts. Because when that happens, we move away from Jesus. And when you move away from Jesus, what do you move into? Sin. Ooh, that's not where I want to be. Because what did we just hear about God's wrath? What's it directed at? Oh, yeah, Sin. When our emotions, when our anger pushes us away from walking with Christ, it pushes us directly where we don't want to be, which is into sin. And that is a giant, huge ouch. James, dude, your book, it's a little harsh, don't you think? Or what does James say back to me, Pastor Dwayne? I'm just saying. So what is supposed to happen as we walk a little further each day in our Christian journey, when we walk with Jesus? Well, we're supposed to be producing righteousness. Righteousness. Oh, it's this holy-sounding word. That's kind of the opposite of being wrath-filled people, making unwise choices. Uh, Holman's Bible Dictionary describes the righteousness that God desires as absolute faith in and commitment to God. Okay, that's pretty good. I like that. A further understanding of this idea shows how far this goes. Righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including character, conscience, attitude, conduct, and words. Character, conscience, attitude, conduct, and words. What Jesus is saying to you, what James is saying to us, and to me, just so we know, I'm being honest as I was writing the sermon, I'm like, I'm going to be able to preach so good at those people. And James is like, no, dude, you're talking to yourself today. You're just here as I give myself a monologue about how awful I do with this. So welcome to my inner thoughts. Congratulations. It's a minefield. You may not want to go into that place. For us to truly have God work out his righteousness in us, we have to let God do it because we can't do that on our own. I mean, the whole reason that Jesus came, why he was born, why he lived, why he died on the cross, and why he rose again, was to do something that we couldn't do for ourselves. We could never be right in the eyes of God on our own. Our characters are corrupt. We ignore our conscience all the time. Our attitudes change based on how our day is going. Our conduct is never perfect. And, oh, there it is. Why does James place so much importance on being quick to listen, slow to speak? Because our words can be the very thing to push away from wherever God wants us to be. James talks a lot about this later in his book, but he kicks it off right here because he's going to tell you, hey, guess what? I'm not going to be done talking about your mouth. What happens when we let wrath take control and our lives don't produce righteousness? James makes it very clear. We get pretty quickly into sin. The next step, James says, is filth and evil. Oh my, that hurts. But there it is. In James 1.21, he says this. So get rid of all that filth and evil in our lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it is the power to save your souls. So when we don't do what we're supposed to do, when we are quick to be angry, when we're quick to speak, when we don't listen to anybody, that's sin, and sin leads to filth and evil. I don't want to be filled with filth and evil. Ugly, angry hearts are not what God intends for us. He doesn't want us to be there. It's not what Jesus came to give each one of us. For us to live the way that God wants us to, for us to live a life of righteousness, we have to start with Jesus. We start with accepting him as our Savior, OK? Step one. Great. Good job. Have you've done that? Congratulations, you've done the hardest part. The power that saves our souls. Remember that he says, "The word has the power to save your souls." Well, Jesus is the Word, remember? That's awesome. But we have to push the anger away. the quick responses, the fast answers. When we listen, when we are quiet. When we pause, we give him the ability to do what he tells us he came to do. Imagine for a moment if everyone just shut up. And we don't, you know when you're a little kid, that was a word I could never say as a kid. My mom would be like, you said what? It's like if I just left out the giantest swear word in the world if I told my sister, shut up. Because it sounds horrible and mean. But it's really effective if you're really angry and want someone to be quiet. And that's what James is saying to us. Shut your mouth for a second. Just be quiet. If we all were quiet, we might actually hear what God wants to say to us. If we're all quiet, we may hear the voice of a person who's in need that needs us to be Jesus to them. If we were quiet, we could listen to our conscience. We could listen to the voice that God has put inside us that says, This is what I want you to do. What's awesome is we could stop right there. We could could be done with the sermon for today. We could be done with church for today, because that's a lot to unpack right there in that little space. Just those three verses. Stop talking, do more listening, calm your jets. Or as he says, slow to get angry, but you know what I mean. When we do that, our lives will show the righteousness the different kind of life that we are supposed to live as people who say they love Jesus and are called according to his purpose. People whose character, whose conscience, whose attitude, whose conduct and words reflect Jesus and the difference he has made in our lives. Why is this important for us? Why does James stress this so importantly? Because the world is already full of people who say one thing and live another. You can see it a lot the same of year. Election season. Sure brings out people who say, I'm gonna do this. And then the minute they get your vote, they do the opposite. I believe this way. And then their actions show they don't. I don't care which side of the political spectrum you live on, That's how they operate. They get you to follow along because of that. Okay, it's bad enough when it's politicians. We expect them to be kind of like, eh. Why do we vote for them then? Honest question. God, save us all. The real thing is we expect politicians to be that way, but we don't expect our neighbors to be that way. We don't expect the person sitting in the pew next to us to be that way. We especially don't expect Christians to be that way. Jesus is saying through James, hey, you, Christian, need to be the opposite of that. When you say you are different, when you say you live a life with meaning and value and purpose, that means your character, your conscience, your attitude, the way you act, and the words you say will show that. In fact, that's what James says next. In a verse that if you've been around church for a week, or maybe longer, you've probably heard this verse before. But don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Have you ever heard that verse before? Okay, yeah, it's been around for a while. Parents also say to the kids, don't just say you're going to obey me, obey me. Because kids are like, yeah, I'll do that, daddy, and they turn around and they do the opposite. Kids are the best. I love my kids, but seriously, like sometimes, oh my gosh, Lord, why don't they listen? Why don't they listen? And my parents are saying, (laughs) they got you back for what you did to me. It's true. It's true. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. The verse just before this reminds us that in God's word, we find the power that saves our souls. Remember that. The very thing that will correct our character. If you've got character flaws, you can't fix it on yourself, buddy. You can't do it. I don't care what books you read. I don't care how many self-help things you go to. You cannot change your character without Jesus. He's the only thing that will change your character. Your conscience. You want to listen to your conscience? I call that the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you do the opposite of what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, guess what? you're not going to have a good life. You're not doing what Jesus says. You're hearing the word and doing the opposite. Our attitudes are shaped by that. Our actions and our words are formed that way. The very thing that has the power to change us is God's word. God's word, if you remember the Gospel of John, which begins this way, in the beginning the word was in the beginning, the Word was God. He was with God from the beginning. Or it says in the New Living Translation, which I used here In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The power that changes your life has been in existence from the very beginning of time itself. It is God Himself, it is Jesus revealed to us. It says, if you want the power to change your souls, it's in my words, it's what I have to say to you, it's in my actions, what I've done for you on the cross to save your life. That will change your soul. That will change everything about you. That will give you the power that you need to do what it says. You can't just hear it. You can't just sing it. We just sang this great song about how this power changes our lives, how the unrelenting power of Jesus never lets us go. He'll pursue us. Okay, we can sing it all we want, but if all we're doing is singing we walk out the street and start smacking people, please don't smack people. I I, I think we should say that to the little kids. If I have to say that to the adults in the room, then we've got a problem, folks. But don't smack, you're not gonna walk out there smacking somebody, but you may smack them with your eyes. You give them a dirty look, that's a smack. God is so much like a parent. I think, he, I think, he, I think the, when you look at what God says and how he acts this way, it's like no wonder we call him father. And if you had a bad relationship with your dad, I'm totally sorry about that because it totally messes up this dichotomy that we have with God. But the fact is, the way that he looks at us and goes, oh my gosh, little children. Please, listen to me. I've got your best interest at heart. And the kid's like, ha, ha, I'm going to do whatever I want. Oh, why am I hurting right now? Because I told you not to fall off the cliff. Oh. You have to actually do what it says. You can't just hear it. you got to do it. When we teach this verse to kids, we leave off the second part of the verse. Because the first part seems really good. Don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Great, I can do that. Here's why. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. If we think we can reflect God's righteousness to the world, if we think our character, our conscience, and all of that will shine the light of Jesus just by acknowledging it, just by saying, this is what I believe on a Sunday morning, and then uh, listening to the right kind of music, uh, uh, putting the right kind of sticker on our car, And voting the right way, whichever way you think that is, James has bad news for you. You're only fooling yourself. Just saying. I've always been a bit too sarcastic for people. I got in trouble a lot when I was in high school for being sarcastic. My humor tends that way, and so guess what? I have children who are very sarcastic. (laughs) Oh, I'm so lucky. (laughs) My youngest son, who's actually with me today, He's, he's got the gift of sarcasm, and when I say the I mean, it sounds horrible. The gift of sarcasm. It sounds like you're like, oh my gosh, that kid's a jerk. But no, he's very funny, but it's like, ouch, it just kind of stings a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, Gus, I love you. Uh, I always appreciate the references to, uh, to in the Peanuts comic strip. Uh, Peanuts use sarcasm all the time. And Charlie Brown would use sarcasm to highlight something. And Lucy or another member of the gang wouldn't realize it. And he frequently, uh, Charlie Brown would to say, don't you recognize sarcasm when you hear it? James is also not above a bit of sarcasm. He's writing to people like you and I, smart, intelligent people, people who have made the good decision to follow Christ. But he also knows how dim-witted we can be, how stupid and stubborn we can be. He just reminded them of all their great efforts to be a Christian don't mean anything if they let their anger control them. It does them zero good if they say, yes, yes, I love Jesus, and then give money and offering and tell the pastor they like the sermon and then walk out of the church and give someone a rude gesture. Or a harsh word in the drive-thru line at Starbucks? My daughter is a barista at Starbucks, and guess what? She's heard a few harsh words on a Sunday morning. There's a reason why a lot of people who work in restaurants don't want to work on Sundays. Because Christians can be so freaking rude. I love Jesus! Oh, let's sing a song! Pastor, that was amazing! I go to the restaurant. Why is my food late? This is taking too long. Oh, here's your tip. It's a Bible track that tells you why you should love Jesus. (laughs) James is saying if you think you can do that and then you're going to have the power of God to change your life, you are fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. James is saying to you and to me, if we know what we're supposed to do and we do the opposite, we are as dumb, as stupid, and as foolish as a person who stands in front of their bathroom mirror, takes a good long look at their face, see the lines, more than there was yesterday, I know, I'm sorry, see the color of my eyes, they're blue. The nose hair that his wife reminded him needs to be trimmed before he left for church today, I think I got them all. If I didn't, don't tell me, okay? It's very embarrassing. Uh, All the good, all the bad, he takes it all in and looks at himself. Yes, this is me. And When he walks away, he wonders, huh, what color are my eyes again? Do I have a beard? I don't remember. Do I have any gray hair? Is it all on my beard? Huh. Was that freckle on my left cheek or on my right cheek? I don't remember. Nobody does that. You may at times think you look great. And you all look very good today. Good job. You may at other times think you look not so great. But nobody who who can see who God has given them eyes that actually work looks at their reflection and forgets what they look like moments after they see their own face. We don't. But friends, we as Christians do it all the time. We know what we're supposed to do, but do we do it? Let me be honest. No, I don't. Not always, not often enough. I'm not out there in the streets being a jerk, okay? I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty nice when I drive, and I'm pretty sure I understand that Jesus is bigger than any political party. But when it comes to those things that show the working out of God's righteousness in me, um, yeah. I kind of forget about those sometimes. My attitude is sometimes not very much like Jesus. The way I act when someone treats me unjustly does not reflect the forgiveness that I've been shown. The words I use don't always make people feel loved, valued, or appreciated. I mean, I, I may not go out and blatantly sin, I'm not murdering people or stealing or cheating on my wife. Most of us would avoid any of those obvious things. Okay, I should say all of us would avoid those obvious things. I I don't know all of you very well, but I'm just gonna assume we're avoiding the big ones. Right? If you've been here this moment with us today, or if you're still watching online, you probably make a pretty conscious choice to do the right thing. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what James wants for us. He's talking about the small, everyday things that show that we are different. He even makes it easy for us. Remember how the whole passage started? Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. If we collectively could just do that the rest of our lives, the world would look at us and say, I want what they have. But we don't. Christians can be just as fast to yell. Christians are often the first to get angry. And the state of the world makes it hard to listen sometimes. When we avoid that, when we do all of those things and avoid doing what the Bible says, what we know we're supposed to do, well, congratulations. We're the dummies looking in the mirror and forgetting what we look like. We. I say that because I am. Forget the big sins. Forget the the obvious things that everyone thinks about when they think about disobeying God. By not doing what the Word says and showing Jesus in every part of my life and not showing Him by how I live uh, to the people I work with, the people I care for, the, the people I interact with every single day, I am a very poor reflection of my Savior. It's very convicting to read those words and realize, sorry guys, I'm preaching today, but I should be sitting in the front row having someone preach it at me. Doing what the word says does not mean that you go around preaching to everybody. It doesn't mean getting on your next Zoom call and saying, hey fellow court workers, you're all sinners and need to get your lives right. What it means is that your character, your conscience, your conscience, your attitude, your conduct, and your words reflect Jesus and the difference he has made in our lives. It means that I listen when others have something to say to me, even if I don't agree with it. Even if I don't like what they're saying, I will at least listen. You know, Jesus only ever cut someone off in the Bible when they were about to sin. If someone came up and said, Teacher, and it was a Pharisee who had some big word to say and try to catch him and try to trick him up and get Jesus. Jesus. said, okay, go ahead. Let's listen to what you have to say. Jesus modeled it for us. He listened. He spoke after it was done and he was slow to, and he only got angry. Hmm. If you look at the life of Christ, how many times did Jesus get really angry when he saw sin blatantly, obviously in front of him? The good news from James at last. He's been blunt, he's been honest, he's been sarcastic, he's been kind of mean, and now I feel really bad about myself. How do you feel right now? You came to church to feel good? Sorry! I'm just saying, you knew the title. Here's what he says. With a bit of hope. Thank you, James. Thank you, finally. But If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Yay! What does that mean, though? God will bless you for doing it, which is doing what it says, doing what the Bible says, doing what Jesus tells you, doing what you know you're supposed to do. What does that blessing look like? He does not say. And I don't want to assume anything. Probably God is not going to throw a huge pile of money at you because you started doing exactly what you know you should be doing. We don't give our kids money because they didn't talk back to us. Oh, you didn't have a smart mouth? Here's $5. Oh, you actually listened to me today? Here's 10 bucks. What do we reward our kids for? When they do what they're supposed to do. When they act it out. Our employees don't walk in and give us an extra $100 just because uh, we answered the email that we're supposed to to answer. I don't get extra money because I showed up for a call that I was supposed to be at. I don't think James is trying to say that if you do exactly what you're supposed to do as a follower of Jesus, you're going to get rich. America tends to put God's blessing into a financial standpoint. That's not what James is saying. The blessing that will occur it's better greater peace in your life a little bit more joy you'll be more content you'll be a kinder person maybe a little more gentle in the way you talk to people you'll be much more patient the people in your life will end up seeing that people in your life to go oh my gosh i wish i had all the money that guy did but if you walk into work and you're a much happier person than you were a year ago why are you so happy I've got the joy, 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 joy down (laughs) in my heart. Sorry, old school church there for you. But that's what it is. It gets down here. When it gets down here because we're doing it, then it becomes part of everything that you see. We see it on your face. Your countenance shows it. Your walk shows it. Your step shows it. You don't even have to be good at walking and still everyone goes, that person walks differently. Why? Because there's joy in their life. There's happiness in their life. There's contentment. God is doing something amazing. And why? Because you're doing what God asked you to do from the very beginning. All we have to do is do it. Nike's made a billion dollars with those three words. Just do it. Why? Because we know we're supposed to exercise. We know we're supposed to put good shoes on. Nike says, just do it. Oh, go do it. God says, just do it. We're like, I don't want to. So how do we just do it as Christians? Jesus. It's Jesus. That's how you do it. You know him. Amen! You love Him. You follow Him. You do what He says. How does this show then? It's reflected in our character, in our conscience, in our attitude, in our conduct, and in the things we say. It's being slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to get angry and act out of our emotions. You want the big secret? Here it is. Shh, gather in. It's just doing what he says. I'm just saying. Lord, Lord, we need to tell you how much we need you to help us do this. Will you stand with me? Because we cannot do this on our own. We are... We are, we are humans after all. We kind of, kind of suck sometimes at doing the right thing. Sometimes we soar and sometimes we fail. The only way that we can achieve what God wants us to do, the only way we can live the life that does this is if we do what it says. And we're going to need his help because if you look at the year 2022, <laughs> I can't do it without Jesus and neither can you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, we need you. The song we just sang said we need you every hour. God, we do. We need you every second because in our humanity, we're going to do the opposite of what we're supposed to do whenever we get the chance. Not because we're bad people, not because we want to choose to sin, but because, God, it's so hard. It's so hard to do what is right, and yet you tell us when we follow you, when we listen to you, when we hear your voice and do what you say, then we will not only change our lives, we will not only change the lives of those closest to us, we will begin to change our homes. We'll begin to change our church. We'll begin to change our city. And if we as Christians live that way, there's no reason why we could not change the world. Jesus, we need you. Please help us this week, this month, as we end the year 2022, will you help us just do it? Will you help us be, be, uh, be quick to listen so we can hear your voice? Will you help us be slow to speak so we only say things that are a reflection of your goodness and your will and your love in our lives? And may we please, God, Please strengthen us and enable us to put our anger aside, to put our emotions aside, to be people whose conduct, whose conscience, whose character, whose words and actions reflect the fact that we are different, we are saved, we are righteous because of you. Jesus, I pray for all of us today. I pray for myself, God. Give me the strength that I need because I fail so often. But give my friends, Give my family here at Journey, give them that same strength this week. We need you every hour. Oh, how we need you. Because only when you are with us will we be able to truly do what you say. God, we love you. We, we celebrate you. We praise you. Let this week be amazing. And God, we are just saying it because we believe it. We live it. And we do this for you. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. 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 Amen.